this is The Art of the Hookup, your straightforward guide to a successful sex life. I'm Georgie Wolfe, an Aussie escort and total hookup enthusiast. Welcome to episode 12. Any sex pro will tell you that trusting your gut is the number one skill when connecting with new sexual partners. But what does trusting your gut actually mean? On this episode, I'm joined by Kit, a writer and sex worker, to find out how we can use our intuition for better hookups. Before we get started, just a reminder that this podcast is adults only. And with that said, let's get into it. Hi, this is Georgie here. I'm a Melbourne writer and independent escort from Melbourne, Australia. My mission is to talk honestly about all the stuff you need to know to have a great hookup. And by that, I mean finding the people that are right for you, negotiating amazing sex, and walking away feeling good about yourself. This episode is all about trusting your intuition. And this is one of the most important skills I've learned as a sex worker. When it comes to managing safety and connecting with sexual partners, tuning into your gut can be really powerful. Someone who feels the same is Kit Bauer, a fellow writer and experienced sex worker. They're here to share their wisdom about intuition and how you can use it for better hookups. Hi, Kit. How are you doing? Good, thanks, Georgie. Excited to be here. (laughs) (laughs) I'm feeling a lot more comfortable than normal today because instead of sitting on milk crates, we're sitting on the edge of my bed. I've upgraded my studio a bit. Yeah, nice fairy blanket on the bed. It's very cozy for a podcast. And that is some double, like, feather down squishy action we've got going on here. Like, my butt's enjoying itself back there. Yeah, my butt feels well supported and cushioned. (laughs) (laughs) So by way of introduction, could you tell us a little bit about yourself, what line of work you're in, what you're about? Sure. So uh, my name's Kit Bauer. As Georgie said, I'm a writer and a sex worker. I work independently as an escort in Melbourne and Auckland a lot, and I'm also a porn performer. Um, I have a law background of all things, so my writing kind of crosses across lots of different things of writing about things that I'm interested in to the nitty-gritty legal stuff. Wow, so we have so much to talk about that (laughs) may or may not fall within the boundaries of this podcast today. Yeah. But that's awesome. And how long have you been um, working in the sex industry for? Uh, Just over two years now. And before that, I was a yoga teacher, which I think is where this conversation like that might be my expertise more than my legal knowledge around like trusting your gut and intuition and listening right. to the body the body yeah. stuff yeah uh, i was chatting with um frankie who's a tantra practitioner recently um mm. and we had a massive amazing discussion about um about the body mm. um and that was in the context of just um you know what sex workers know about having great sex but today i'd really like to get stuck into that actual technique of tuning into your body and tuning into your gut and i feel like you probably have a really good handle on that given your background yeah and just how useful i find these skills for existing in my daily life from everything from negotiating great sex with partners to keeping myself safe at work to Knowing what I want to cook for dinner, <laughs> it's, honestly, it's all the same skill set to me. <laughs> Isn't it weird how all the skills that make for really good sex just seem to like cross over into our everyday lives? Like, wow, I thought this would be useful for, um, for you know, getting laid, but it's actually just kind of useful for chatting to my lecturer at uni. And well, it's kind of useful when I want to like cook something and I'm getting freaked out and I need to calm down. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's so true. <laughs> So I guess the first thing that that I would say about trusting your gut is that it is 
traditionally the number one skill of sex workers. When we sit down and we um, talk to ourselves or when a new escort comes on the scene and we're all hanging out and explaining the, you know, the, the skills you need for the job. Mm-hmm. Um, trusting your gut, trusting your gut instinct is the absolute um, number one rule. And when we refer to this stuff, it's usually in the context of um, of safety. So like, you know, yeah, if you meet someone and you're getting a bad gut feeling about them, just walk out. It's totally fine. Like listen to your intuition type situation. But um, I kind of feel like listening to your gut has a lot more, um, there are a lot more applications than just knowing when you're in a scary situation, that actually being able to tune into how you're feeling, whether that feeling is positive or negative is a really important skill. Yeah, I agree. I think that trusting your gut is about avoiding the worst case scenario, kind of like what you've just described, but also leading yourself towards the absolute best case scenario of what your body really wants in the moment. And can you give us an example of when you first um, really became aware of this or started to use this in your um, in your sex work type stuff? Hmm. In my sex work, I think it's always been there in my sex work. I think this was something that I started to learn about and tune into in the year preceding starting sex work. And this was due maybe like had something to do with your yoga yeah, work as well. I think yoga work and exploring tantra and a whole bunch of things just coming together and I suppose needing a, a good approach to my mental health as well. That definitely was part of it. To be paying attention to how you're feeling on a given day and that sort of stuff. Yeah. yeah. And I think we're, we're using the phrase trusting your gut a lot and because a lot of people do tend to feel intuition or they'll get this sick feeling or they'll feel nerves or something in their stomach. But... I want to be clear that we're talking about the whole body, that sometimes people will feel it in their legs when they need to get out of a situation or their whole tension there. Um, Other people, it's in their shoulders. I went through a stage a few years ago where every time I told a a significant lie, I would feel cramp in the right side of my neck. It's better than your nose, (laughs) Grace. Yeah, Yeah, slightly less obvious, but it was crazy. It was like the muscles were just, it felt like it was just curling up into a giant knot every time oh my god i was lying often often about work because that's i think as a sex worker perhaps the thing that you lie about the most the most right to to regular people Yeah. yeah and it would just be like this crazy situation and so yeah we're using the phrase trust your gut but i suppose it's broadly intuition and these little cues that our body is giving us all of the time about what is right and what isn't right for us so when we say intuition what we're talking about is we're talking about feelings and we're talking about those feelings that are maybe not always obvious the feelings that that we're having or the thoughts or um, guesses that we're making about a situation that we're not quite aware of yet the ones that are just in the back of our heads but haven't really popped into consciousness yeah 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 absolutely and I think it's often quite goal orientated thoughts that are at the front of mind that are often dominating our consciousness and it's there are the thoughts about what how we want this date to turn out or how we want this book what you're to hoping turn out. for yeah, yeah. Um, and I suppose what we're talking about is what's actually happening in the moment. And this is something that even before doing sex work, I experienced a lot. So I'd be in a situation or I'd be going on a date and I'd be thinking, oh, I really hope this is going to turn out well. I hope that they're going to be amazing. I hope that we're going to get along and we're going to have amazing sex. And I'd be thinking about all the things that I wanted. Um, But then there'd just be this little feeling in the back of my head going, yeah, but that's that's not how it's going right now. Or yeah, the way they're looking at you maybe they're not that interested or um, Mm. actually something's a little bit off or something feels a little bit 
edgy or a bit unsafe, but it's really hard to let go of all the happy stuff and stuff that we hope would happen mm-hmm. and pay attention to the little voice that's going, nah, nah, man, you need to you need to slow down because that's not fun, right? It feels yeah. like your mum going, that's going to turn out badly. Um, yeah. <laughs> Just wait and see what happens. Yeah, be careful. Like, thanks, mum. But actually... Yeah. Yeah, what I've learned, um, particularly as a sex worker, is that you have to pay attention to that, like, inner parent Mm. um, because that's what keeps you safe. Yeah. And, yeah, 100%, I think I really relate to that, what you were just saying about sort of dating situations and wanting things to go well. And I think for me where this stuff really became apparent was often in sex that, so as I'm bisexual, so I have sex attracted to people of all genders and when I was younger, I tended to date a lot of straight men. Um, I still do. Straight men are hot and great. And lovely, yes. <laughs> but being a person with a vagina and then having a penis, there's often this script of how sex should go. go. Yeah, should go. And when you're sexually inexperienced and nervous about everything, it feels really scary to stray off that script. And when you're straying off script, where the hell do you go? You know, right. you don't have this kind of all these social norms and pawns saying, like, this is the right way to do things. And when you're young, you just don't know what other options are available. You're like, this is sex. Sex is PIV. Sex is, is you know, whatever. Yeah. 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 And it can be quite intimidating to sort of say, <laughs> you know what? Actually, what I really want right now is, I don't know, just fingernails gently on my butt mm. and just like leading up to a slightly more aggressive or firm touch and then maybe leading up to some spanking and I would just love you like that's my foreplay today like that's what's going to turn yeah. me on I don't necessarily want your mouth on my pussy right now and just straying from the script can be really intimidating and scary, but it's your body is like craving out for the fingernails on your butt. Right. But often we don't know. And I think like particularly those of us who have trouble asking for what we want, it's not that we're lying there going, man, I really wish he'd just, you know, uh, stroke my butt with his fingernails. We're actually lying there going, this doesn't quite feel right, but I'm not I'm not sure how it doesn't feel right and I'm not sure what I want right now. All I know is that I want something that isn't what's happening right now. And this is where intuition comes in because Mm. we've got, you know, we've got that little sense that we want something to be different, but we can't immediately get to that. Um, And and we need to actually tune into those deeper feelings to work out what we want. And we need to stop willing ourselves to be different. Like, oh, if only I fantasize hard enough or if only I relax enough, then I'm going to enjoy this head. Like, very wishful thinking. Yeah. I'm not enjoying this sex, but I, I'm really scared about saying any, anything. So I'm just going to really hope that it somehow gets better without me actually doing anything. Yeah. And this is like, this can be an absolute disaster. Like if you do this on your first date and then you fall in love with that person and then three years later, <laughs> you're still like accepting the mediocre sex. Well, not, it might not even be mediocre. Like I've had partners that are so good at things <laughs> but no one's good at everything yeah and but or it might even just be that that's not what I feel like or it's not a sex act that I enjoy that much but I've never spoken up and then all and of this time goes past yeah and then it's oh. like it, the secret gets bigger, oh, and, bigger. Oh, and you can't break it up I kind of feel like this is most of the casual sex I ever had in my 20s it mm. was okay this is happening now 
it doesn't feel that great, but I don't know how to say anything. And, and my desires or what I wanted was so buried and I didn't know how to tune in to that mm. that I, I wouldn't have even known what to ask for. Mm. And I feel like getting more in touch with my body has really helped and it sounds like maybe this is an area where intuition is so helpful. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So what's your process around that? If you're like, oh, not feeling great, something's not, not, not great, do you have a, a process for sort of trying to work out what's going on? Yeah, I think so. Um, I think I have a lot of processes and I think not everything is going to be right for every situation and not everything's going to make sense for everyone. So hopefully some of these things will land for some people. Totally. And we're all different. Our bodies are different. So it's whatever yeah. works for you, right? You find yeah. your own way. Yeah. So I think the safest option for me, if we're talking about gut instinct and tapping into your body's desires to have the best sex that you can possibly have, the safest and best thing is masturbation. You are entirely safe when it is just you and your own body and you are your most important sex partner that you will ever have. You're the only constant in your life. And if you can't make love to yourself, how the hell are you going to show some guy from Tinder how to do it? <laughs> and that gives you a reference point too. So you know how your body feels when you're safe and comfortable and getting yourself off, which yeah. means that when someone else is doing it, you can sort of go, okay, well, this is how it feels right now, mm. and that, but it's not quite feeling the way I'm accustomed to and what can I do to sort of bring that a yeah. bit closer. And we're talking a lot about bodily sensations and stuff because mm. I really firmly believe that tuning into your feelings is all about tuning into your body yeah. and like I'm not going to go all hippie on you because I'm not super, but I'm, I'm I sort of am because it really um it really is a matter of uh learning to pay attention to the sensations in your body mm. in order to tune into what feelings are there as opposed to just lying there going but what do I want what do I, you yeah. know what do I really want yeah and nothing coming yeah it's so important to drop back kind of if drop back behind those thoughts like if that makes sense and just kind of throw that out and be like, how is this actually feeling in my body? And so often when I do that and when I just focus on sensations in my body, wild fantasies will pop, well, wild, strong word, fantasies will pop into my head. It just comes up. Or past experiences that I'd forgotten about that I would love to revisit or future fantasies of what I want to do with a partner in the future. Like the body has these things that you can, if you listen and feel and let yourself ooze into they appear and they're wonderful and they're they're often weird <laughs> weird is great we love weird over here we love weird. <laughs> it's almost like magic it's like wow i can access these bits of my brain that i didn't know were there by just relaxing and by just sort of feeling feeling how my body feels I, i'm sort of super conscious while we're saying this stuff that we're talking about a way of like thinking about ourselves that is super might seem um, super normal to someone that's been raised um, female mm, yeah. but for blokes for guys, Aussie guys in particular who've mm. been raised in a blokey way this whole idea of getting in touch with your feelings is so foreign that when I say just uh, pay attention to your body and get in touch with what you're feeling that a lot of people are going to be going well how the fuck do I do that yeah yeah, yeah. and yeah that's a really good point um, so I think it is more of a hurdle to kind of jump over for a lot of men. It was funny, I went through a stage on Twitter last year where I was just tweeting so much about masturbation and that like masturbation is making love to yourself and like yes. that I was setting aside days to hang out with the new vibrator that I just bought. Love and it was it. just like this big phase of my life of 
wanking. <laughs> that period where you develop a deep and uh, important sort of emotional and romantic relationship with yeah. your vibrator is yeah. just amazing. Yeah. Right. And when I was doing that, a lot of my male clients were saying like that that I just wouldn't shut up about it basically was changing the way that they were thinking about their own masturbation and how much of a process that they were kind of going through to have those really self-lovey to get there. what do I feel like having today in these sex sessions with myself and how almost confronting it was to be like okay now I want like a a bit more of an adventurous masturbation this session is what I feel like. or today it's about stress release but like oh. actually like dropping back and being like, why do I want to wank today? <laughs> I kind of feel like guys yeah. are shamed. Like they're told that masturbation mm. is a poor substitute for sex. Yeah. And then if you're getting yourself off, it's only because you were too pathetic to actually go and get laid. Yeah. And so there's all this shame around it. And then, um, you know, of course, guys are like, well, how can I connect with masturbation as a like getting off, getting myself off as mm. an activity where I can get in tune with my body? Because the whole time they're doing it, they're they've got all these little voices in the back of their head going, you fucking loser. Yeah. You have to resort to masturbation as yeah. though it's some sort of second-class activity. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and we all have these hang-ups. Like, men have that. Women have, like, oh, my gosh, am I allowed to be doing this? Like, and Isn't I this th- gross? Yeah. yeah. And I think it's so important to take things at your own pace, that these things are going to be new and scary, and it's not always going to feel comfortable for everyone and if it doesn't feel comfortable for you if it's too much then don't do it or yeah, do it dial safely. it back yeah you know there's so many versions of these kind of checking in um tapping into your gut instinct mental exercises that you can do like thinking oh okay i think i want to make plans this weekend what kind of plans do i want to make like what itch do i want to scratch like, is it really important to go to the pub and blow off some steam by just bantering and having some beers? Do I actually want to have like a one-on-one conversation with a good friend to just feel, to have that kind of interaction? Like, do I want to, there's a million different things, but just consciously thinking like, why do I want to do this right now? What do I want and why? And what do I yeah. really want as opposed to what I assume I want? Because we, things change. And exactly. sometimes we don't catch up with ourselves mm. and we're doing the same things. We're going to the same pub every weekend and suddenly we realise we're unhappy. And this mm. happens a lot with work, mm. right? Not my work because I fucking love my job. But <laughs> with general, you know, I've, I have worked in an office mm. and it creeps up on you. It's like, yeah, this is great. This is great. Uh, you know, I love my job. Oh, wait, I feel really miserable. What's that about? And then it's that matter of, again, tuning into that intu- intuition and going, well, my feelings and my, uh, you know, aren't matching up with what I think is going on. So now I need to, to question and to go, hey, is this what I really want? So it's like that conversation you're having with yourself, right? Yeah, it's a conversation that you're having with yourself and a commitment to being willing to be wrong. I think that if you have loved your job or you've loved the same thing or you've loved like getting your dick sucked in a certain way sex with your romantic partner long-term partner has been great but now it's feeling like it's not quite right that things have shifted yeah yeah Yeah, you have to say oh okay um that thought is now wrong for me or maybe wrongs are not a great word something needs to be adjusted yeah right that you have to be open to change because that's life and that's why it's so important that people take things at their own pace. Because if you just yeah. dive in, yeah. suddenly you might uh, you might find that everything's changing too fast. Yeah. yeah. And the other thing for, for again, not generalizing, this is not a bloke thing, but it often is mm. that um, 
people who are told that their emotions are shameful, like that they're not allowed to have feelings, mm. push them down so hard that when you start to unpack them, there can be some really scary shit in there. And I've had friends and particular like um, guy friends who I've gone just, you know, like just sit with yourself and think about your emotions and how you're feeling. And they've flat out said, I'm fucking terrified to do that because I know there's some awful shit in there and mm. I don't want to dig it up mm. because I wouldn't know what to do with it if it, if it suddenly hit me in the face, you know. Yeah. So like you said, like safety, emotional safety yeah. and not just, yeah, if you start to feel like it's all too much, pulling back from it is super important. Pulling back from it and... Yeah, as I said before, like knowing that there are so many ways to do this check in with yourself and it's there are a lot of just simple, hopefully non-confrontational ways that should feel good for people. But it's also like this is the sort of thing that people see psychologists about and like get support is having emotional literacy. And if it's something that's important to you to learn. Yeah, good skill. Yeah, then it's worth potentially having professional help because See a counselor that's yeah. what they're there for to teach you how to tune into your feelings yeah and to be able to manage them and i think we've spoken about dan savage before but he has this great kind of dating rule of thumb that you need to you don't need to have all of your shit sorted to date but you need to be in good working order yeah um and if you're not in good working order then i think perhaps this conversation in this podcast like might not be for you it's there's a lot of groundwork to be done but if you're in good working order then yeah let's talk about like tuning into your gut instinct to let's have take really great that sense. step further yeah yeah mm. and so we've been talking in fairly vague terms or general terms about how you tune in but once we once we actually talk about like sex and dating mm. what um like what what do you feel are the benefits like what are the situations where tuning into your gut can come in handy um, in the context of having really good sex, do you mean? In, in all situations, like first dates, first second date. dates, good sex, bad sex, mm. or all the things. <laughs> yeah. let's, let's come up with a bit of a list. Like, yeah, off the, yeah, okay. like off the top of my head, the first thing that comes to mind is when the situation isn't safe. And this is a sex mm. work thing. If you feel the situation isn't safe, that you tune into that and go, oh, something doesn't feel quite right. I don't know what it is, but I'm going to trust that feeling and walk away. Yeah. So that's the obvious one, but there's more, right? Yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, we just talked about um, when you're having sex with someone and it's not great and you're trying mm. to work out what you actually want. So yeah. that's another good one. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So safety, obviously, is, as you just said, probably like quite apparent in a lot of sex work settings I think general discomfort I think this is something that people of all genders push aside in a first or a second date situation they just keep on thinking like oh like maybe it'll take them a bit of time to open up maybe Mm. they didn't mean it in that way when something isn't quite right but you just want to go, oh, maybe it'll turn out okay. Yeah. It doesn't feel like they're right for me, but maybe it'll all be all right. Yeah. yeah. And I think our brain kind of rationalizes these things away and the brain is very good at being like, oh, well, that one thing, you know, there's a million different ways it's of fine. interpreting that. Rose-colored glasses. Yeah. And this is what Dan Savage calls often dickful thinking, thinking. Yeah. right? Like, oh, they said they weren't that interested, but I really hope that they might change their mind and so surely it's going to be fine. Yeah. Or I'm getting a vibe that this isn't going that well, but, you know, I, I really want it to turn out, so I'm just going to really hang on to the hope that it does. Yeah, and so often there's, like, some, like, niggly thing there that if you just paused and breathed or 
did whatever to check in or went to the bathroom and just sat and thought, how am I actually feeling about this person? Like the sum total of all of those things that your brain has rationalized away because you want to have a good date. No, there's something there in your gut being like, this is a waste of time. <laughs> Why am I doing this? And sometimes we yeah. need that that space. Mm. So often we don't realize until like the day after when we've already fucked them. Yeah. And that's when we have the time alone to think and we go, actually, nah. And I've been on dates where someone mm. has said, hey, do you want a second date? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, totally. And then I walk away and go, why the fuck did you say that? Like, yeah. it's a it's a no, but I didn't have the room to come to that no when they were there because I was too busy trying to process. Yeah, and something that I, like, sort of, so now I kind of know in the moment whether it's a yes or a no if I want a second date, but I'm still pretty bad at enforcing my boundaries sometimes, and I definitely forgive myself if I say the yes in person but send a no later via totally. text. because you're allowed yeah. to change your mind. Yeah. And also you're allowed to forgive yourself for not... Um, yeah, and like not not being able to maybe say everything in the moment. Yeah, geez, it's hard saying the right thing on the spot. Yeah, definitely. And yeah, I sort of want to talk about gut instincts, like actually in bed and like how leading to having good sex, like how that can happen. Yeah. But I want to kind of put a pin in this for later. Is often on dates we're drinking a few glasses of beer, glasses of wine, pints of beer or something. Whiskey. Yeah, whiskey, <laughs> tequila. Uh, oh, God, I try to avoid tequila on first dates. <laughs> this is a second date drink. <laughs> um, and those things will definitely fuck with our instincts. Right, um, it's hard to tune in. It's. I feel yeah. like I'm swimming. If I'm a little bit tipsy, I feel like I'm swimming in this sort of like, like thick water or something where I can't quite feel my like my fingertips and I can't quite feel my feelings. Like they're mm. just a little bit out of reach, and it means yeah. it's that much harder. It takes that much longer to connect with. Oh, this isn't great, or I don't want to do that, or yeah. um, you know what I actually think. Yeah. Yeah, for me, I just become a yes person after three pints of beer. Like, someone could be like, hey, do you want to come meet my entire family? Or oh, <laughs> just, like, something super random. Or, like, let's walk five kilometers home through the rain. And I'm just like, yeah. Great. Let's climb that three-meter tree. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Let's have a five-person gangbang. No, that, that that's never happened to me. <laughs> God, Not I this week, anyway. never listens to this. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah I, yeah I totally get what you mean right totally yeah. and it's hard enough saying no is hard yeah. um and uh, you know anything that puts a barrier between you and your feelings is going to make it even harder mm. to put a boundary down yeah definitely and I think this is why making a little bit of space for self-awareness and self-reflection is super important when it comes to managing your sex life and experimenting with substances. So we've talked about alcohol, but I've definitely had sex on an array of other substances and some of them have improved my sex life and some of them have put me in questionable situations. And I want to be super clear that I'm not talking about what is or isn't sexual assault in terms of intoxication, but what are the steps that a person can take to ensure that their drug or alcohol use is helping them have the best sex of their life yeah. rather than knowing yourself it. yeah and knowing where your personal limits are like hey yeah. if i want to have a good time yeah. i need to stay around this vicinity or i need yeah. to manage myself in this way and that's not about stopping other people from doing awful things to you because mm -hmm. that's a whole other issue yeah but it's about uh knowing that you're in a place where you can sort of stay in touch with how you feel and direct yeah. things and speak up if you need to yeah. yeah and i think about my sort of timeline of sex having sex um, when I was younger, it was really important to me to 
be able to have a few drinks because I was terrified and embarrassed and ashamed. And having alcohol was super important because my gut instincts and everything that my body was telling me was so wrapped up in social messaging of being a young promiscuous person and all of the danger that potentially comes with that. And I think men often have it going in their head that they're kind of the doer in sex. And when they're sexually inexperienced, they're putting so much pressure on themselves to perform. To just step up. Maintain yeah, an erection. Yeah. Make the woman it's come. So That's the scary. new thing. Like, it's terrifying. Yeah. And hell, having a few pints is really helpful for that. <laughs> and that helps you kind of drop some of that social anxiety and actually be in the moment um, and just get all of that out of your head. And then... When I was more sexually experienced, um, what my sex life meant to me was self-expression. And I wanted to like feel into the limits of what I did and didn't want. And I wanted to make every single weird request that came up for me from my body. And I wanted to put myself in these out there situations. And I had a rule that if I can't drive, I can't drink. Um, because I needed to be relatively sober to feel into things because otherwise it could be dangerous like if you're tied up if you're playing with like heavy impact stuff or anything like that like you want to be feeling the pain in your body like the the potentially what you're going through is going to be having these oxytocin drug effects on your body anyway (laughs) and also like you just might not get there if you want to have amazing sex and you have the skills to have the amazing sex but then you get a little bit wasted you might not be able to use those skills yeah so you might not have the amazing sex yeah and that really sucks and I kind of feel like that's a shift from certainly for me when I was younger to now Mm -hmm. when I was younger sex was all about just somehow making it happen without cheating myself and so yes the drinking and the i wasn't thinking about how can i tune into what i want i was just like god let me survive this the bar was low and Mm. then having gotten a bit more experience now i'm like okay so sex sex is great i'm getting some confidence but now how do i make it great Mm. and that's when this we need this stuff because you know then we need to go what do i actually want and bang we're right back into that gut feeling sort of department right yeah yeah and it's so interesting like some drugs like mdma um, that's just working on your serotonin and your dopamine and making you so open and empathetic. Like and tuned into someone else. Yeah, like you yeah. see people on the dance floor and they are just like being so honest and expressive the way they're moving in their bodies. They look so alive. And it's this great thing that if you're with someone that you trust or someone that you trust in that moment that you're willing to have a great night with, like that can be a wonderful accompaniment to sex. Whereas weed for me... I just hit the fucking floor mm. and it's it puts me in a very bad situation where not only can I not get in touch with my feelings or how I'm doing, I also sometimes can't speak or get up. So, And this is going to be different for everyone, right, yeah. in terms of how much you drink and whether you're into other substances and whether you use them. You really need to know yourself. Yeah. Yeah. So I went through this whole process of like after a night of indulgence and whatever I was choosing to indulge with, actually kind of checking in with myself and thinking, what was the point where I was making decisions based on like the chemicals that were in my body rather than what my body wanted? So about three pints, I become yes to everything, Kit. And you know this now. So this is the self-knowledge you need. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like any amount of weed, not good. Um, And just this whole kind of check-in and self-learning process and actually setting aside time to know that about myself. And I think 
this is an entirely personal thing. It's not necessarily going to help you promote good consent in partners because the I can say to my partner, oh, like three pints is about the right level for me. But for them, it could be half a pint or it could be 10. It's completely different. Yeah. So yeah. people have to do that kind of self-awareness process themselves. Yeah. It's sort of really driving home for me how messy a process this is. Mm-hmm. Like, I know we like to feel like we're in control of our feelings and we can just be like, hmm, what's going on? Oh, yes, I've picked it. And now I know what to do. But often mm-hmm. it's this like messy unraveling of whatever's going in your head at the time. Yeah. And then that's further complicated whether you've had a couple of drinks. Yeah. And you, we're, we're always just like having a guess at what's going on inside our heads and our bodies. But we're never 100% sure. And we might not get it right all the time. Yeah. We might go, hey, like, I really feel like like this is going great and later go oh no that that really wasn't um I'll have to try again next time you know like it's not fallible yeah definitely and I think like this is where it perhaps gets like even stickier and I might um explain this one with a story so yes please yeah story time kids snuggle up in bed (laughs) (laughs) hey we're already in bed (laughs) time to snuggle (laughs) (laughs) so i this was sort of in my like big self-expression phase of my sex life i went to a sex party and i met a wonderful man and at the start of the night we were playing a game called the two minute game i love the two minute game this is like yeah Two minute game is great for great. what we're talking you about. Better tell our listeners what it is though, because we yeah. haven't talked about it before. <laughs> oh, cool. Um, so it's where you and a partner take turns. You set an egg timer or a phone timer, asking for something for two minutes. So often it'll start out with, oh, "Can you just massage me for two minutes?" Mm. Or can you give me like a really nice head rub or a foot rub? You know, just something quite innocuous, bit of touching. Um, can you cuddle me for two minutes? Can you slowly take off my clothes for the next two minutes? My favorite is tell me all the things you like about me for two minutes. Yes. Oh, yeah, that's so good. That's good foreplay. It puts yeah. you in a really good state of mind. Yeah. Tell me, like, the last things that you masturbated about. Right. Yeah. It's foreplay 101. And then after mm. the two minutes is up. You switch. And, right. And the other person makes requests. And I think the good thing about this game is it kind of opens things up up to more esoteric or slightly left field requests it's off the script it's not just piv right yeah but in agreeing to play this game together you're really opening the door to that and you're saying like i want to ask for things and i want to give you things that you really want and then you have to ask for things so you have to actually work out what the fuck you want and ask for it which can be really quite difficult if you've never done it before yeah and sometimes like yeah with this person at this party like it definitely it was the start of the night i'd never been to this party before i was there by myself because i was just so keen to go you're amazing that's super brave yeah and so right then like my gut was kind of saying cool just like ask for cuddles ask for chats ask for like very mild things and it was really good but i think it set up this really solid dynamic between me and him where we'd both sort of made like a few left field requests both like very enthusiastically received like built a good rapport and importantly i was tapping into what i wanted i was getting out of my mind of i'm at this party by myself it's the first time i've been here i want things to go well and just tuning into what i needed and wanted in that moment so you were practicing that and getting more and more uh, getting better and better at it yeah as you did it with the easy stuff before you moved on to the hard stuff yeah definitely and then Throughout the night, 
watching a lot of amazing things and continued talking to this man and kind of continued negotiating things. And the whole night ended in a very spectacular, for me, spectacular, I hope for the people watching too, (laughs) Um, play session with this man where I was in a more submissive role, he was in a more dominant role, but I was definitely making requests of just things that he could do to my body. And I love impact play and spanking and pain and pleasure are very closely linked to me. We went down that path and it was wonderful and I felt so in touch with what I wanted and feeling this like so amazingly charged feeling Mm. of pleasure and being in a party and being watched and everything and really in touch with my gut but then I still I woke up the next day and it was like this feeling of oh my god did I go too far oh yes the proverbial day after anxiety thing yeah and I was totally sober but it was like a hangover thing and everything and this is why this whole process of tuning into your gut has highs and lows and sticky bits and there's never going to be this thing where I can say this is what you do and you'll have good sex it'll be perfect yeah yeah yeah. this is um I don't know if you've heard of the term the adventure hangover no but yeah you'll you'll get that so (laughs) this is a this is a thing like you know when you set out to do something scary particularly around the sexy stuff go to Mm. a sex party have some crazy kinky sex that you haven't done before Mm. it's sort of like you're stepping out of your comfort zone a bit right Mm. and then if you if you step really far out into a place that's maybe a bit more scary the next day there can be a bit of a backlash because you've got all this stuff running through your system adrenaline you know um, cortisol from being stressed and it doesn't mean you don't have an amazing time doing the kinky stuff or the play party stuff or whatever it just means that the next day you've really stressed your body out and your body freaks out a bit and you start to feel bad and then then you're sort of going oh shit did I did I go too far Mm. and it's that it's that it's that feeling in your body of you know you've been put under too much stress yeah and maybe it was good stress in in the form of excitement but it was still stress and for me tuning into my body is a really helpful way to manage the adventure hangover stuff so if I'm thinking of doing something really adventurous Mm. I'll be like okay like um all right scary shit coming up but it's gonna be awesome sexy crazy scary shit that I'm gonna love but also I'm just going to step into it slowly. And as I do, I'm going to keep asking myself, how do I feel right now? Like, am I super stressed or just a little bit? And just try and keep that creep that level of stress just gradually ramping up rather than jumping in the deep end. And it sounds yeah. like that's what you did. Yeah. You started off doing this lovely, gentle, communicative scene where you got to practice um, sort of connecting with this person and then you gradually moved into the stuff that was a bit more scary mm. whereas I feel like when we don't pay attention to our feelings and particularly our fear mm. um, and we just leap into the scary shit then yeah the next day we're much more likely to just freak the fuck out because we've stressed our bodies out so much yeah and I think this would be super real um, for a lot of guys I, in your episode with Arthur talking about the relationship escalator I think the way a lot of men can be super goal oriented about sex and almost this pressure that because you're a man that you need to feel like sex and that you have to go there and as quickly as possible. Right? Yeah, I can imagine that being super real of waking up the next day and just being like, did I want that? I've just put my body through all of this stress. But trying was to, it? Yeah. And I, maybe, I don't know, I'm, I'm curious and I don't know for sure. I wonder whether tuning into your body and your intuition would help, would help you slow down. To be like, oh, yeah, like all this great stuff is happening. But what do I want right now? Do I really want to be banging this chick like crazy? Or do do I maybe just want to lie next to her and have a bit more conversation until I feel a little bit more comfortable? Yeah. Yeah. And I think like once you start practicing these mental exercises and tuning into your gut and that just being a part of things, you're just not going to be able to enjoy 
sex that you're not fully present and because you notice the difference you do and you've had those experiences where you've followed your gut and it's just like night and day yeah my my best friend he's um a straight male but dating for him doesn't come easily and recently he's gone through this whole process of really rethinking the way that he dates and it takes him a really long time to become comfortable with people and he's often Mm. had sex with girls on the first or second date and he has a shame over or it just doesn't didn't feel like it was right feel right wasn't didn't know them well enough to feel comfortable he couldn't access his pleasure and he was saying to me i think it was last week you know what i just need to go on a bunch of dates with someone and and get comfortable and make out a lot and hold hands a lot and then i'll feel like having sex and that it's been this whole process for him to just be okay to wait. But that is actually a thing, whereas society tells us that a dude's a failure if he doesn't fuck on the first date. Yeah. But actually you might get more out of the experience if you go at your own pace, whatever the hell that is, right? Nothing yeah. wrong with fucking on the first date, let me just be clear. But everyone's yeah, a massive fan of it. Well, yeah, you know, like we know where I stand <laughs> on that. But everyone's different. Like I meet yeah. tons of guys who um, can't get it up with new partners mm-hmm. until they've actually taken... Um, taken time to get comfortable and usually there's a lot of shame like oh my body isn't doing what I want and I have to stop them and say mate no it's awesome your body is telling you it's saying slow down Mm. you need to feel comfortable before you're going to enjoy the sex it's doing your favor it's telling you in no uncertain terms what's going on with your intuition and your intuition is I don't know this person well enough yet I need to feel safer I need to feel more connected to them yeah yeah, and it, like it sounds like you and I are kind of at the other end of the spectrum where we're kind of happy to have maybe some mediocre sex or maybe some get-to-know-you sex. <laughs> I like get-to-know-you sex. Yeah. But it has I'm, a different feel. It has a different <laughs> feel. And it's like you know that there are not going to be fireworks and there will not be multiple orgasms and you will not be being like, here's my A-spot, go reach for it, please. <laughs> like it's going to be different. and you, But it's, it's get-to-know-you sex and that's how you feel into your gut and that's how you get comfortable with someone. And that's totally fine too. But it's totally. just, it's knowing which you are and knowing that that will change as well potentially as you enter through different stages of your sexuality and your All development. All the time, right? Yeah. And I do try and game it a bit now. So when I meet a new casual sex partner, first mm-hmm. date situation, I will actually on the sly sneak out some tantra tricks as mm-hmm. we're starting to get sexy. So I'll slow down. I'll say, hang on a second, slow down. And then I'll look them in the eye and I'll take this really deep breath. And then people just unconsciously copy what you're doing. Mm-hmm. So they take this really deep breath as well and then I'll breathe out really slowly and they'll breathe out really slowly and I'll concentrate on, I'll stop for a minute and I'll really just pay attention to my body and how I'm feeling, whether I feel tense or relaxed, like which bits feel good, you know, what the other person feels like. And as I do that, they unconsciously do the same. Mm-hmm. And then suddenly we've shifted from this space where we were just having fumbly, awkward first date sex to suddenly this space where we're both more tuned into our bodies. Yeah. And then suddenly the sex gets a whole lot better. Often. Yeah. I just like my body just like tingled a little bit just thinking about that, like just breathing with a partner. Breathing. And yeah. sometimes you don't even need to tell people. You don't need to say, hey, can we just stop so I can do some tantric breathing with you? Because I find that it helps. Like, you know, for most people, it's a, they're not down for that shit. Yeah. But if I just take a really big breath and look them in the eye and then slowly breathe out, it's like this unconscious reflex where they will actually copy that. Mm. And it just shifts you into this slower, more connected 
more body connected space where suddenly you're both just much more in tune. Yeah. I often try and do that with clients when I hug yes. them. Like I try and hug them for a little bit longer and breathe in and just breathe out. Mm-hmm. So without the eye contact, but just like that same, like, hey, I'm here. Like focus. Yeah. Yep. I'm here. I'm present with you. Like come join me kind of thing. They're often really, really nervous too. Yeah. So they're flapping around a bit and, you know, really, really agitated. And then mm-hmm. doing that breathing just helps them drop in and slow down. Yeah. And then you're in a much better place to have good sex. Yeah. And if breathing isn't your thing or it just seems like a bit too confronting to look someone in the eye and breathe with them, <laughs> um, I often find that saying, hey, just so you know, um, you can always like opt out of sex or you can always make a request I might say yes, I might say no, but I just want you to know that you can always like call for a breather or ask for mm. things to get more intense and just throw that on out on the table of like, hey, the the communication gates are open. And that gets them thinking about what they actually want. So you're mm. actually encouraging someone to tune in a little bit more to what they want mm. as opposed to just um, thinking about what's going on, like we were talking about when we get in tune with what we want, mm. encouraging other people to also do the same thing yeah. means that they're tapping into their intuition more mm. you've opened that gate also. Yeah, and the more you do this, the more you become better at it, the more you can kind of help partners, I suppose. That like some of the, As we said before, like this stuff can bring up some not-so-nice things or some things that are difficult. Challenging feelings Challenging or things. overwhelming feelings. Yeah, and so it's super important, I think, to open the way for people to like check in with themselves like as your partner but it's also very important to not push them and just saying little things like just so you know you can always give them the opportunity rather than saying i wish you'd just get in touch with your feelings more which is about the most distressing thing you can say to a straight dude right yeah because they're like well what the fuck yeah and for me like i'm like if someone's like on the first date and like they're like Tell me the worst things about you or something like that. Oh, like I, I have, do that. yeah, I have no <laughs> no filter whatsoever. But I'm super sensitive to the fact that for other people, like once they've known you for three months, they'll start to open up about things. It takes a long time. Yeah, and for people who aren't super in touch with their feelings or haven't practiced that a lot, what mm. you could be asking of them when you say, "Tell me how you're feeling," is actually quite a lot. Mm. It, that could be a big ask for some people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they've just got to, as we said before, take it at their own pace. Yeah, yeah. and be respectful of that. There is one other way that tuning into your intuition has helped me. Mm-hmm. And I don't. I feel like this might be a bit of a silly story, but if you're keen to hear it, I will tell it. <laughs> Love silly stories. <laughs> and it's about it's about tuning into your intuition about whether someone is interested. Because I found it's really really useful to be able to pick up early that maybe they're not that interested, mm-hmm. as opposed to just blundering ahead until you just get the flat out fuck off. Mm-hmm. And this happened to me when I was in Japan. And I got on Tinder because that's what I do when I travel. And I, I went on a date with this really lovely couple mm. and they were gorgeous. They were, we, we, we met up and then we did some um, touristy stuff and then we went off to this tiny little bar in Tokyo and we had all these drinks. But I will say that as soon as I met them, so they rocked up to our meeting place, I looked, I said hello, like gave them a hug. I looked at the face of the lady of the couple. It was a guy girl couple. And a little voice in the back of my head said, She's not interested. Mm. There was just something. She was really nice. They were both lovely. But there was just something, and I don't want to know what it was, where my intuition said 
she's not down for sexy stuff. Mm. And that's fine. And then we hung out the whole afternoon. We had a great time. We had some drinks. And then after we had a couple of drinks and I was a little bit tipsy, I actually flat out asked mm. to see. I said, hey, you guys seem great. If you wanted to do, get up to sexy stuff, I'd totally be down for that. I think you're both awesome. And she said, sorry, just not feeling it today. And I went, yes, I fucking picked it right at the beginning of the afternoon. Mm. Um, and it was really good to know because it meant that the whole afternoon I hadn't been engaging in this sort of hopeful, oh, maybe this is going to be all sexy and awesome. I was just like, hey, I think she's not interested, which means that I can just relax and we can enjoy the time we have together. And I don't have any expectations around that. It didn't come as a huge shock when she said no, because I already had a hunch she was going to. Mm. And I feel like that stuff is kind of kind of useful I like that's not a silly story at all I think that that is wonderful best practice dating is just being open to the person that you like they've they've seen pictures of you in a little bio often they haven't seen anything just the actual person yeah Mm. being open to the fact that they're not gonna want to fuck you I think is wonderful and helps our partners feel safe and this is not necessarily a gendered thing. It's something that no, women do. It's something I do it that all men, the time. Yeah. Um, but that, like this, what we're talking about, gut instincts, is the total opposite of um, like goal orientated dating. Thinking. Yeah. Dickful think, thinking. Dickful thinking. Wishful thinking. Yeah. Yeah. And that you're in touch with your intuition and stuff like that means that you're okay and that you make space for other people to enforce their boundaries. And they can let you know what they want rather than just getting so fixated on what you want that it's really hard to work out what other people actually want. Yeah, Yeah. they'll feel safe with you. And that's like, that's the most important thing. Like it's it's scary and intimidating going and meeting a stranger and being like, hey, do we want to mash our junk together? I don't know. Do you know? (laughs) I can't tell. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, dickful thinking, right? So it Mm. can be really hard when you're in the grip of, oh, my God, I want this to happen this way, Mm. to disengage from that and actually tap into your intuition. Mm. Do do you find that it feels different to you? Like if if you've been crushed on someone and you want something to go a certain way, can you you sort of separate the difference between that little inner voice going, oh, my God, I hope we get up to X, and Mm. the little voice going, actually, I don't think that's going to happen tonight? Yeah, I think that... As a sex worker, honoring the pace that people are comfortable with things moving Mm. and making people feel safe is so ingrained in me that my wishful thinking, like that is like that is there. Of course I feel that stuff, but it is in the backseat. You put it to one side. Because honoring people's right to consent is such an important part of being a sex worker. Obviously that means asking, but often it means just slowing down and tuning into the pace that the other person wants to move at. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, a hundred percent. And yeah, but it's funny, like I feel like I'm maybe making myself sound like a bit of a saint like oh I always honor and stuff like that like sometimes I can tell like recently I was on a few dates with someone and I could sort of tell that he wasn't checking in with his body but I could tell that he was into me and comfortable and stuff like that and it's like that I was so comfortable with letting my crush brain be like cool we're gonna get late it's great (laughs) yeah um yeah so but then sometimes you get a sense that someone's holding back mm-hmm. or shutting down a bit or that they're a bit nervous or a bit wobbly. Yeah. And then it's you your job to out. slow down. It's my job to, yeah, I think absolutely. it's everyone's job. And this isn't yeah. just a sex work thing. This is yeah. a sexual partner thing. If you yeah. start to get a hunch 
that the person you're with needs to slow down or that they're feeling a bit unsafe or that mm-hmm. they're looking a bit anxious, it is your job to step back, take a deep breath, slow it down, and mm-hmm. then to use your words. Yeah. 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 And there's it's like people, hopefully they'll give, if you give them an out, they'll take it. I know that you spoke about this with Arthur and stuff, but just saying like, hey, how are you going? Would you like to get another drink or do you want to go home? Yeah, like, just, that's an option too, just so you know. Yeah, just giving people an out or saying like, yeah, do you want to come back to mine for a cup of tea? Um, it's okay if nothing happens. Or just like making people feel safe that, yeah, that they can say no, that they can enforce a boundary, that they can honour how they're feeling at the moment. And even if someone's super keen, then it's great to say, hey, but a no is okay. Mm. But when you start to pick up on the fact that maybe they might be retreating a little bit Mm. um, then suddenly it just really it brings into sharp focus the need to say that so when I do manage to tune in to that little feeling like oh maybe this person is nervous or maybe this person isn't keen then that just reminds me it reminds me to really double down on the hey how are you feeling do you want to slow down no is okay we can stop whenever you want Mm. yeah yeah I got so enthusiastic about that that particular bit as a skill as a sex skill that I forgot what I was about to say next (laughs) oh just, it's a good it's such a good skill it's like how to human 101 <laughs> totally like yes how to how to tune into yourself and your partner mm-hmm. it should be like this amazing basic skill that for some reason mm-hmm. we have been denied and particularly people who've been raised male have been denied and i feel like it's this weird western conspiracy to tell people that feelings managing your feelings and tuning into your intuition isn't important and then we've got we're all wandering around like sort of like psychologically hamstrung yeah and it's fucked man it's fucked we should all know how to do that shit Mm. yeah so i guess Mm. my last question would be that if we do have someone that's like yeah okay intuition sounds great but i've never done that before and i don't even know how to start doing that are there particular practices or ways to practice or um you know, things to read or classes to attend or or whatever that will help people sort of work out how to have this conversation with yeah, themselves? like the first steps, that kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah, so I think I mentioned earlier just kind of checking in, like, okay, I want to see friends. Why do I want to see them? Mm. Oh, I want to cook. What do I want to cook? Why do I feel like eating? Just those kind of, like, little check-ins that you can do. Literally having a conversation with yourself. Yeah. Then um, if you want to... I definitely went down the path of kind of more formal training. I um, found a Tantra practitioner that I was like happy with and felt safe with. I think the Tantra worlds can have a lot of amazing people, a lot of um, not so good people. So people should look at reviews and testimonials. Yeah. And, and it can get yeah. super like spiritual and stuff, but it doesn't necessarily have to be. And the yeah. Tantra that I've done has been just more about tuning into your body basically yeah. than, than getting into the spiritual side of things. Yeah. Um, so the uh, for people in Melbourne, I think she's still in Melbourne, Caitlin Cook. Caitlin spelled C-A-I-T-L-I-Y-N. Ooh. Have you heard of her? No. Well, yeah. So she she's a person. She's like you she used to do laneway learning kind of tantric meditation and just getting people to practice saying yes and no um she's someone that i felt super comfortable and safe with and yeah fantastic thanks for the recommendation it's good to know local people that are good yeah and i think you've had rog from curious creatures yeah so a lot of my tantra stuff happened at um at a um with a company called curious creatures who do a lot of workshops around kink and tantra and it is very much just that Non, non-spiritually stuff, just sitting and practicing, working out what you want and practicing communicating and feeling your feelings and all that stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I think, yeah, there, 
they're the two places that I went to have a space to practice this with people that I wasn't just doing it on my own. It wasn't just about letting like feeling sensations in my body and letting fantasies come up when I was masturbating, but there was a human in front of me and they were saying, hey, can I like just asking random things like, can I shake your hand and actually practicing saying yes or no? And thinking, do I, I want that? Yeah. yeah. Because all this yeah. stuff in our heads is fine. But when yeah. the, the um, you know, when the rubber meets the road is when there are actually people in front of you, that's when we freeze up or freak out or when mm. we forget how to stay in touch with our feelings. That's yeah. when it's hard. So actually practicing in front of someone, mm. even if it's just one of your mates sitting around with your mate and going, how are you feeling today? I don't know. How are you feeling? Oh, let me think about that. You know, all that shit. Yeah. And another super great option is booking your friendly neighborhood sex worker. Particularly (laughs) those that have training (laughs) in Tantra. Yeah, definitely. Like this is, I think often, you know, I see it in clients, like they're still kind of caught up in wanting me to have a really good time and like staying on script and stuff like that. And other people, it's more like, no, no, I'm open to this as a learning experience. And it just changes the whole booking. And as a worker, it's important to deliver what the client wants. But if they come in with this intention of, I want to play the two minute game. I did that. I played the two minute game for two hours with a client a month or so ago. (laughs) That sounds so hot. (laughs) And he, he came out of it going, wow, that was amazing. I have never done anything like that before. And I was like, yeah, motherfucker. (laughs) (laughs) I wish I was a fly on the wall for that. (laughs) That's how you have great sex. Two minutes at a time. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So these, this stuff um, is great. And a good sex worker is a really great way to explore all these things in a really safe environment, right? Yeah, where it's low stress, low pressure, that they're ha- there to help you learn and low they're pressure. to hold space for you. Yeah. yeah. And I guess this brings me to the question, uh, where can our listeners find you? <laughs> oh, what a great segue, Georgie. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Kit Bauer is my name. Um, you can find me on Instagram at Twitter at food sex water so one word food sex water or www.foodsexwater.com wonderful ah oh, <laughs> thank you so much for talking we've covered some really good stuff yeah that was so much fun i yeah i feel like we covered a lot of good stuff i hope it's approachable for people yeah. i feel like it will be yeah. yeah no really appreciate it thanks for coming on if you get a chance check out kit bauer And they also just had a really awesome article published by Archer magazine about their experience seeing a sex worker. So if you want a bit of a view for uh, about what it's like when the shoe is on the other foot, I would highly recommend that too. Yeah. And that one's under my other name, my pen name. No, no, no. It's totally fine. I use Kit Bauer or Kit Voice. Um, Oh, lucky. Lucky. (laughs) Shit, I should have checked that video before. Yeah, no, no, I didn't mention it. But yeah, no, it's just so when people have read my writing and they Google my name, porn isn't the first thing that comes up. Yeah, yeah, you know, we all know what that's like, (laughs) right? (laughs) All right, we're going to wrap it up. But thanks again for an awesome afternoon. Thank you. It's been really fun. Yay! Thanks for listening. I hope it's been as good for you as it's been for us. If you want to learn more about this stuff, my book is launching in September. Check out artofthehookup.com for all the details. Please share this podcast with anyone that you think would benefit from hearing this stuff. Spread the word as well as the love, and let's make the world of hookups a better place. 